distance Join the resistance Come on, let's start by talking tactics Have a pass and match this Here's how we practice The last order conversation David Jason Hey everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum This is John Elliott And this is Patrick Riccardi This week we're doing Fantastic Four uh, Issues 48 through 50 And uh, our standby, The Private Eye, number four Yep Always doing the private eye with the comic book ones. Um, and the Fantastic Four. Do you know what years year this is from? It had to be 60-something, right? Uh, let's see. I think it was 66. Yeah. Cause 65. 65. It was still Stan Lee, Jack Kirby doing everything. Yeah. Um, the, well, the issue number is is listed as March 66. I, I don't... Right. So, but yeah. They around always, that time. Yeah. They always did them ahead. Um, or they were always numbered ahead of what when they actually came out. Right. I think that was like, yeah, who knows? Who knows why? Well, one of the reasons uh, they, when they put them out into stores, they didn't want kids not to buy them because they saw the date and it was a couple months ago and they're like, Oh, this is old. I don't want this. So they always made sure that when it was in stores, it was, it was not going to ever look old. So it would be there for like three, three or four months in the store. Cause it had a date that was ahead of time. Exactly. Um, and then the people who bought it early thought they'd traveled into the future. Well, they probably did. They very well could have. It was going on a lot in the 60s. Kind of died out after that. The mm-hmm. And you picked these this Fantastic Four because uh, it was readily available to both of us, basically, right? Readily available. I looked up top 10 Fantastic Four stories from fans because I've never really ha- had a read Fantastic Four. And this was one of the series because it was the introduction of Galactus and the Silver Surfer. Right. So uh, that was the biggest two reasons. Yeah, the coming of Galactus. And Jack Kirby art, uh, I guess if you if you know anything about comics, you would know what Jack Kirby art looks like. But it looks very uh, kind of old-fashioned by today's standards. Yeah, and they, <laughs> I think I've talked about it before. It wasn't Jack Kirby, but it was someone else who does it. There's a, a full page where there's some art in front of of, of pictures. No, he did that in, in this. Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. I yeah. can't stand that. I really don't like that. I don't mind Jack Kirby in general. Like His drawings are fine. I mean, they're great, but I can't stand when they do the, the pictures, especially what he was like. It was pictures of spaceships that, was, that Galactus was using to build his spaceship, and they look so hokey. Like If it were a scene of outer space, like a picture from from a telescope or something telescope. Yeah. That would make sense because that's timeless and it's always going to look, you're not going to be able to draw that nearly as well, but this stuff they had in there is just like, why? Right. So bring what we're talking about is basically it goes from, uh, it's all drawn. And then there's like this one page that is like newsprint photos of looking stuff that, you know, very early. I don't even know what they called Photoshop back then. You know, it was just cutting and pasting shit, I guess Yeah. on a page. Um, fo- photo looking shit of spaceships that is very jarring when you're going from comic book to, and then they colored it in obviously. Um, but yeah. And, and only in the colors that they had available to them. So it didn't, yeah. I thinking about it now that we're actually talking about it out loud. Maybe it was an issue that Kirby was was drawing seven books that month, and he didn't have enough time to do this one page. So he just said, "No, nope, let's go to the file." Yeah, yeah. No, I could see it. 
because uh, he was the it was basically him and Stan Lee doing everything back then. Yeah, I, I, even Spider-Man, I, I know Kirby had more to do with it than you'd assume since he wasn't the, the major guy that started it, Ditko started it, but I think he kind of tailed off. Oh, right, after, I forgot about Ditko, yeah. He kind of tailed off after a while, and Kirby picked up a lot of the slack, for in the 60s at least, before it before everything blew up. Yeah, uh, same with X-Men, I think, you know. But, but the, yeah, then toward, what, late 60s, I guess, they started farming out writing and and drawing chores to other people and for the art didn't necessarily get better or worse but the writing almost certainly did yeah stanley was not much of a writer it, it's funny reading um I, I don't know maybe it's i've read like graphic novels recently and stuff but not a lot of comic books um other than uh the private eye which we're we're talking about but it's really funny that back then in the 60s Every sentence ends with an exclamation point. <laughs> every single thing everybody says. Well, what was jarring to this, that, that's that's typical, I think, of all comics. Yeah. But these comics, I never have noticed it. Because I've, I've read a lot of 60s Spider-Man. And I've, I've read other stuff from the 60s, but I've never noticed it. And these specific comics had a lot of it where action would be happening. And you could see it by the drawing because it's a comic book. You can watch it happening. And there would be exposition. Instead of just letting the... the the action tell the story there'd be ex- exposition not from a narrator and not from like a a, a television which would make sense but from the, the characters crowd. and the, no yeah. well the characters but the crowd watching things go on would point at at, at uh like there's the human torches flying towards towards that huge robot looking thing and telling you what you can see as if that's what a crowd would do yeah to, well i noticed i didn't even i guess by the time it got to the characters doing that i was already annoyed with it because the characters the main characters had been doing it all through the like it's showing you what's happening and then every single character is commenting on it as well um and i think that's that probably also goes back to them wanting to fill pages up so they're like let's get some word blues in there to get more pages in for so we meet our deadline for this month yeah i i mean i guess that makes sense uh but it's really really annoying and a very i mean show don't tell i think in uh in comic books like in movies you know when it's a visual medium like that you don't need all all this exposition if if this was a tv show and and characters were doing this you would turn it off after like 10 minutes which would be a shame because it is a fun story it is overall um i mean it's it's still corny just because of the time yeah uh but yeah it's not bad um and i think it's you know, I, I don't know that, I mean, Superman had, had outer space stuff, but I don't think there was a lot of cosmic stuff going on in the superhero comics at that time period. So it was, it was, it was newish. Yeah, I would think so. Very, very sci-fi with, uh, if, if people aren't familiar, well, I'm sure everybody knows who the Fantastic Four are at least, but, uh, but then, so this was where Galactus was introduced, who is some dude from, uh, who knows where, uh, who gets his energy to sustain his life by taking the life energy of planets. So he's a planet eater. Yeah. And his, he has his herald who goes to uh, find suitable planets for him to get energy from, which who was the Silver Surfer, um, which he was named, I assume, because he was silver and he rode a surfboard across the galaxy, riding well, even, cosmic even, rays. Even the... The, I forget how they worded it, but even the comic book kind of made fun of the fact that his name was so lame. 
was like unfortunately named Silver Surfer or something like that. Yeah, but they did put him on a surfboard. Like they couldn't think of any, they couldn't <laughs> think of any kind of sleeker uh, vehicle for him to be traveling on. It's it's literally a surfboard with like a little rudder and everything. So well, it's the sixties. True, surfing was all the rage. Uh, thanks to surfing. those lovable mop tops from uh, Czechoslovakia, the Beatles. Surfing, surfing, U.S.K. You, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that's that's the story. And so obviously, uh, Galactus comes to Earth because and because that's a, a suitable planet, and the Fantastic Four has to uh, get him not to destroy the Earth. Uh, with the help of Uatu, the Watcher. Yes, and the, the entire time Watcher is on the scene, every time he starts to say something, he's like, of course I can't get involved. And that's the all Watcher, he does. Watcher, you are involved. He's involved throughout the entire thing. He's, yeah, he. <laughs> I like how he rationalizes it to himself. Like, he can't get involved in the affairs of humans, but I can use all my powers to send the Human Torch uh, back through space and time to get this device that he's going to need. Um, but he, since he's the one getting it, I'm not actually involved. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching Although my there was, the whole thing. Right, no chance that he could have done that on his own. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a decent story. It's nice to see like uh, these these major characters introduced, you know, the Silver Surfer and Galactus. I, yeah, it's I, when I was a kid, I loved the Silver Surfer because he was, he's drawn really neatly and he's he had a mysterious... But I had never in my life read a story that involved him before this, and he's kind of a. I'm glad I didn't because I think I would have gotten sick of the his way of speech. Well, I think that might have changed as well after Stanley stopped writing. Yeah, so maybe as and to explain it, he was on Earth for a while, so he started to pick up the Earth person's speech patterns. Yeah, I yeah. do not understand emotion. But I think that was yeah. Like I said, I think that might be more Stanley's writing mm-hmm. um, than anything else. Although, who knows? I'd, I don't remember, like, in the 70s if he still had that kind of stilted foreigner speech. But it does seem to me, Stanley, uh, that, that once once they started hiring other writers, all that shit got better. Did you mean the band? Which band? Foreigner. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. The, they definitely are very stilted speakers um, probably because they have the brains of uh, Cro-Magnons and Bra- I'm just, yeah I'm just judging by their their dumb songs um, maybe they're Mensa members uh, if Mensa means something else that's the exact opposite of what it actually means the the so Galactus um, was kind of yeah, it, it is kind of cool that they had all this cosmic shit uh, in the storyline. Although they started out kind of because they got their powers from uh, gamma rays from flying in outer space. Well, that's true. Before. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is more, yeah, more definitely. I wouldn't say hard sci-fi. I don't think anybody would go along with that. But uh, no, but it, it's. I think it it's slightly more intellectual than Mister Mixelplick. Yes, Superman. yeah, than the DC stuff was Or doing. Bizarro Superman who comes from another planet who's the exact opposite of Superman. Is he black? Seinfeld line, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it was, and even for the time, I think, because 65, you know, sci-fi movies back then were B-movie drive-in stuff still. Um, 
pretty dumb, you know, giant giant ants and shit like that. Because what 2001 was 69, and that was more uh, that was more complex as far as sci-fi goes. I don't know of anything necessarily before that. Uh, um, there was stuff in the 50s, a Forbidden Planet. But yeah, once the 60s said it was more schlocky, and then 2001 was uh, the, the advent of more intellectual sci-fi in, in, in film. And then Star Wars came about and uh, erased all that. There is the one... Uh, there's the one French movie that was done all with still photographs. Do you have you seen that one? No. It's short. Uh, it's what Twelve Monkeys was based on, actually. Oh wow. Um, and that that was probably '60s. That was kind of a time travel thing. That was pretty. That sounds like the, that's just inviting us to do an episode: Twelve Monkeys versus this French film. We should, but uh, or a more modern time travel movie that's not necessarily linked to this French one. Anyway, go ahead. Of course I can't think of the name, but I might have been La Jetée, and that might have been uh, previous, but since it was French, you know, it wasn't, nobody knew about it here. Day the Earth La Jetée. Was... Oh, 1962 was uh, La Jetée. Um, and it... to, go, to go with the 50s U.S. movies, Day the Earth Stood Still was a pretty good sci-fi movie. I don't, I mean, but but still very schlocky, but both that and Forbidden Planet. But I mean, th- I guess that might be more a uh, function of the limitations of, of budget and stuff back yeah, then as yeah. well. Um, but I don't remember. Yeah, that's true. Uh, movies weren't doing as good a job with sci-fi and that kind of story as a TV was doing a better job at that time. Yeah, and I don't remember, like they don't stick out to me. They, they're all kind of, they all kind of mash together as cheesy B sci-fi movies, you know? Um, cause it's, they used to show them interchangeably, like on late night TV yeah. with, with the yeah. really crappy ones. So yeah, tonight is they, they're stood still tomorrow night is Ant-Man from Mars. Right. Um, but yeah, so this was, this was kind of cool. Um, as far as, as sci-fi went in comic books and, uh, Galactus is a good, it's a very cool concept for, uh, uh, for a villain, although they also make him, they make him too powerful. I think to the point where like nobody can beat him. They, I think he said probably five thousand times in this comic um, <laughs> that that the humans were like gnats to him. Yeah. Oh yes, that was. <laughs> It was funny how much that was repeated. But he would say it a few times, and then the human torts got. Uh, we're like nothing but gnats to him. Yeah. Yes. Like I feel now I know what a mosquito feels like. Like there's five frames in a row where it was just the same thing said over and over again. And then before that, Reed Richards had said he's we're just nuts to him. He's using his his cosmic insecticide on us. Right. I I guess. Uh, I mean, we got the point <laughs> the first time it was said, but they kept reiterating. But but so very like it's a weird thing that they keep having to come up with ways for characters who are not anywhere near as powerful as him to defeat him, um, which can get kind of twisted uh, after a while. The Just the contortions they go through to make it, you know, to, to defeat it, Galactus, yeah. who is basically all-powerful. The, the, but the interesting thing about Galactus and how he, I don't know if he's always portrayed this way, but in this story he was portrayed as not really, not so much a, of an enemy, a little bit of one at certain points where he's calling them that's, but more like uncaring. 
Yeah, he's does... not evil necessarily. He just needs to eat to live, and he yeah, doesn't, he doesn't care any more about killing uh, humans than we care about stepping on an ant. And they didn't convince him of of human humanity's, humanity's greatness or worthiness no, to live. Right. He left because it was too much trouble. He lost a herald, and he had to go off on his own. Although I thought it was kind of shitty for him to take Silver Surfer's ability to travel through the, the planets away. I didn't think that was nice. No, but as far as I can tell, Silver Surfer did still end up doing that <laughs> was, later. So. It was easy fix. Very easy fix. So they didn't even bother retconning things back then. They just they just like <laughs> gave up on storylines. Like, <laughs> It'd be funny if there was a huge storyline. Like in the last issue of this series, there's a bald guy who's introduced who I didn't recognize. And it would be funny if that was just nothing ever came to that. Well, he he was in the next issue. I read ahead a little. Oh, uh, so, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, that that was another weird thing. Like in this in these '60s comics, when I when I was reading comics, um, like the very first issue started with the storyline from the so, previous yeah. issue, and and then they wrapped up the Galactus thing, and then still went on with entirely different storylines after that. Um, where usually like there's a big battle. You end it. That's that's the end. Next issue, something right. new. Right. Yeah. It was well. There could be something starts in one issue and it might go in a few more issues, but it never ends in the middle. Right. It wraps up at the end of the issue. Yeah. It was really kind of fun. And I guess they they were experimenting to see will kids more, be more likely to buy if we have this stuff end abruptly and then continue halfway through. Yeah. Which is not. I mean. One of the but appeals you know, of comic books is the cliffhanger. Yeah. Well, and, there was a cliffhanger, but it was just weirdly placed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but also, yeah, that that's basic storytelling is that you sum up. Like, <laughs> you don't end a chapter right in the middle of some shit that's happening. You. And I I remember reading a bunch of sixty Spider Mans, and I don't remember them doing that. I remember them having more of a the the, the standard comic book feel to it. Where Format, you get the story. yeah. yeah. Well, me too. Um, I read a bunch of '60s X-Men and stuff. This is the only one that I that okay. I'm familiar so, that does this. It's just very so, weird. Maybe it's a Fantastic Four thing. Yeah, it was first. Was it? I thought Spider-Man was first. Was Fantastic Four the first Marvel? Yeah, uh, the first. I don't know what Stan Lee did. Like, I think he came there and maybe he had the ability to to write different stories. And Fantastic Four was the first one that got really big. And maybe six months later, Spider-Man came. So it wasn't like it was first and years later. It was around the same time period, but Fantastic Four was first. Right. They start, I mean, they started their whole line pretty quickly within, uh, you know, months or years of each other, I think, just so they could have stuff on the newsstands. Right. Um, so what, what do you have? X-Men, Fantastic Four, uh, Avengers, maybe Captain Marvel. Um, Wait, what are you saying? Spider-Man. These... That all started, you know, around the same time in the early to mid-60s. Yeah, I guess, um, Captain Marvel. I don't know about Captain Ca- Marvel. I meant Captain America. Oh, okay. But I didn't yeah. know if he was separate from the Avengers, because I think he joined the Avengers later. Yeah, I think he did. I, well, Iron Man... But I don't know if he had his own book. He, right. but he was an early member of the Avengers, and the Hulk had his own book. The Hulk. Okay, yeah, the Hulk, too, who was in the Avengers for, like, two issues and then left. Really? I didn't know that. I think so, yeah. Um, it was, it was, that's a character that definitely changed a lot over the years, all different ways. 
Yeah, well, and they uh, they also, I mean, they went back to the was it the golden age in the forties? Yes. Okay, I couldn't. I, I always get it mixed up. So this is silver age sixties. I don't know. Yes. What, okay. Yes. So they went back to the golden age even for a lot like Human Torch, um, although slightly different. That original Human Torch of the forties was an android or something. Right. Right. Um, who became the Vision? in some weird way. Yeah. I don't even know, uh, but yeah, that's where they got Captain America and Captain America. Yeah, obviously. Uh, and, well, they also brought back Submariner. Yeah. But they brought him back as a bad guy. Yeah. He was always kind of a dick, but then he had his own comic too, where he was I kind of a good guy, but a big asshole, good guy, I guess. But he was <laughs> yeah. always, he was always fighting with the, the land land lovers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just call him Aquaman jr. Yeah, kind of, except Aquaman was a good... Well, DC was all... Everybody was... It was much more black and white in the DC universe. Yeah. Well, I think there's a whole... See, we didn't even talk about the sexism in these books. And they're huge. But just talking about Submariner for a minute. He was going to destroy Earth. Oh, land, land-dwelling land Earth. But he didn't because he was in love with Sue Storm. Oh, of the Fantastic Four. Yes. Uh, Sue Richards, I believe. I think she was still Sue Storm at the time. Oh, so that's not too sexist. She's like <laughs> going by her maiden name when she's married. Oh, maybe they weren't married. That's what I'm saying. Right she was still, she wasn't married yet. Yeah, the the this the, I think it was the first or second issue where Sue Richards went to talk to Reed Richards over the the TV telephone, and he and he's like, "Fuck off, woman! Can't you see yeah. I'm busy? <laughs> you bothering she, me with your PMS? Yeah." And she becomes I don't know if they use the word, but they easily could have hysterical yes yes her reaction is is quite hysterical you're right it's uh uh, it's definitely of its time in that sense i i don't know i don't i think it would i don't know it is it of its time if this were something uh for adults would people say this is weird is it because it's for kids and kids don't notice that crap no I I i don't think it would be weird you're talking like you know Talking Mad Men. Mad Men, yeah. Don Draper, sixty-five, um, first season Mad Men. I yeah, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily that weird, uh, even even to adults back then. But it is weird reading now, um, and and things changed pretty quickly too because I I remember reading some early Avengers like from the not early necessarily but from like the early seventies that had like strong feminist uh, storylines going. Like where that was that was the whole thing. It was like about feminism and and how the men the men Avengers uh, didn't treat them equally, and so they were going to prove themselves and stuff. Um, and but, we might we might be able to I don't know for sure, but it might be a possibility to trace that change to the fact that Stanley was no longer tr- writing the I stories. Was, I was going to say. I mean, I guess we're kind of shitting on Stanley, but he uh, he was obviously a, a good businessman, not 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 a great writer. Oh, great. The characters he created were really fun. Yes, and, interesting characters, obviously, who stood the test of time. And then terrific, um, what's the word, uh, where you advertiser, not advertiser. Promoter. Promoter, Promoter yes, yeah. spokesman. He's just, when you see him speak, even now, in his, he's like in his 110s, he's just, he's just you, you, you want to read what he's talking about. He makes it sound so awesome. Yeah. Hey, true believers. Yeah, he's better Excelsior. than that. He's better than that too. He, yeah, he's he's a good uh, he's like a, a P.T. Barnum type dude. Yeah, he's yeah. a good idea man, good promotion man, uh, terrible writer. 
but you know he he had to get this shit going. He had to get the Marvel brand. Yeah, going that's and, the thing. It's not. Maybe if he was working on one book, he could have been doing this awesome stuff, but he was writing everything that Marvel had. So he had a lot of work. Right. Although I have to think um, there were would have been people interested in writing this stuff, and, and it might have yeah, been well, an I, ego I think thing. It, it might have been an ego thing, but it also might have been a, a money thing. A, and a money thing, yeah. But yeah. I think the stuff he did with Kirby and maybe a couple other artists were they would write the stories and he would write the dialogue. I think that's how that worked. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so everything would be there, and he would be just filling in the balloons. Right, which would explain why the dialogue's so god awful. Because, <laughs> um, as you said, the story is not bad. the The ideas uh, behind the stories, um, although I I do think he probably did uh, write in the sexism angle. But, <laughs> but who knows? Uh, I I don't know a lot about the history. I've heard like. Jack Kirby had some kind of big beef with Stanley, like he felt he got ripped off. I think so. I think I think Stanley kind of took all the credit for how things were created, and Kirby had more to do with it than than Stanley made it sound. And he was not paid commensurate with his. Uh, I think that as well. I think yeah. I think Stanley owned a piece of Marvel by the end, and none of the other people who worked for Marvel did. Right, right. But I I don't know what it was called at this point. Was it? Uh, let's see, Canem. Canon Publishers Sales Group. It went through a bunch of different names. Marvel was like the 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 name of the comics group, but the other companies owned Marvel. Get right, think, got it. I, I think Timely might have owned them at some point, or maybe they owned DC. I forget. So it wasn't. It was Stanley's baby, but he did not have ownership. At right, this point. I, but at some point he he, he bought it. Yeah. picked up pieces. Right, but but that's not. I mean, Kirby still wasn't wasn't getting the credit he deserved as well as not the money he deserved. Right. But I think that's changed by, I think there was a pretty big feud, but I think that changed by the time Kirby died. I don't know that for, for a fact, but I think I remember reading that. Right. Well, Stan I think gave more credit that, that he deserved back. And I think a lot of it was, it wasn't, it might've been an ego thing, but I think it wasn't all an ego thing. I think it was more, it's easier to sell all this crap. If I'm saying one guy created it all because it makes it sound like it's all this one universe that i created right just right easier to sell. it sprang from the mind of this guy so it's it's a complete universe right and i, I think i've talked about before where i saw a picture before stan lee became stan lee where he's just kind of the guy who created the comic books and before he was doing uh, college tours and he doesn't have his toupee on i never knew he was bald so just a bald stan lee is kind of a funny funny image well i th- yeah i think uh i think definitely jack kirby like now, just at least among comic fans, has gotten the recognition for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's a lesson to you kids out there. Uh, if you if you are a creative person, uh, at some point after you're dead, people recognize. You know who Bolt Stanley looks like? Who? John Locke from Lost. Oh no shit! <laughs> he Did he have no mustache either? <laughs> yeah, no mustache. Oh wow. Um, anyway, this, this storyline, Galactus comes and, uh, and then it gets kind of cheesy with, uh, the Silver Surfer meets a human, uh, the Thing's girlfriend, actually. Yeah, that was so, I mean, they, they, they lampshade by saying fates came together, put them together, but that was just stupid. Just, can't, can't he just be meeting someone else? Right, right. And also, just the fact that, uh, he's talking to her and he's like, I, I work for Galactus, I don't care about your uh 
you know, your your lives mean nothing to me. And he, he gets turned around so quick because he's like, what? You make food? Yeah, and, I, I was surprised it wasn't. I guess in, if this were made now, it would be this McDonald's hamburger is so good. I will. I must save the world. Right. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. She she convinces him um, with the most uh, sappy shit about why humanity's worthwhile. Are all humans blind? Good logic there, Silver Surfer. Yeah. Even the, after you've already met some other ones. Yeah, they you, attacked you pretty well. Right. Um, yeah, it's, so that's really dumb. So he he decides, oh, humanity is, is uh, worth saving and and defies Galactus, and, and they fight. Meanwhile, uh, Uatu, the Watcher, has sent uh, the Human Torch back because only the Human Torch could do it for some reason that I didn't understand. Um, he sends him back. Well, the human torch can fly. I guess that's what it was, but, uh, he sends him back through time and space to get, uh, this device that can stop Galactus. Also, again, not, not really explained super well why he has to go all the way through the end of time. Um, (laughs) although it is funny when he comes back from that journey, he's like, we're, we're insignificant. We mean nothing. (laughs) It's, that's the level of uh, cosmic realization he has or that they show us. I like the throwaway thing that, that he sees when he's coming back. He has to, to avoid these, I think, uh, nth bars or something like that. One touch of them could destroy a planet. <laughs> yeah, right. But but the device he brings back to stop Galactus is uh, a thing that will destroy the entire universe. Yes. So, so uh, he's Reed Richards is threatening Galactus with it, and Galactus responses, and oh, oh no, I won't do it. And he's like, watch what you're doing. If you put the power too high, you're going to destroy the entire universe. Right. Watch out, you stupid human mortal. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's like a. I mean, I guess yeah, that would that would end the conflict, but. But it points out the ridiculousness of how far you have to go to defeat Galactus. Yeah, and it's kind of the the ending's funny too. Galactus says, "If you give me that that device, I promise not to to destroy Earth." And Watcher's like, "You can trust him, man. You can trust him." So they this device that they had to travel through space and time to get, they just give it over to him. Right, and his words is Bond. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very very strange. The the whole idea of the Watcher um, is a cool idea of someone who just observes events um and and he's taken a liking to humanity but uh but as we said he interferes all throughout this story and i'm going to provide a spoiler for the latest star trek movie that had something similar to the watcher that was really annoying Uh, so close your ears if you haven't seen the latest star trek movie and you intend to which i'm speaking specifically to john so in that movie um uh, uh the, there's the Leonard Nimoy Spock and the uh, Spock from the modern time because there's time traveling in the previous movie. But the, the modern time Spock talks to the old-fashioned Spock and, and the old-fashioned Spock says, I promise never to get involved in human events, so I can't help you. But I can tell you. <laughs> so it's the exact <laughs> same thing. Yeah. <laughs> they stole it from Stan Lee. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the movie for what like for an action fun movie but that's such a stupid thing to do why create a character that's supposed to not do anything and then have him do the opposite right it's it's <laughs> yeah yeah why even give him the limitation right if you're just gonna have him break it 
all the goddamn time. Yeah, and then when he does break it, just ignore the limitation. Why even mention it in a, the breath before he breaks it? I don't know. Oh, because, well, nowadays, because, you know, the internet would light up with uh <laughs> Don't worry, the internet did not like that movie. And that was one of its l- smallest complaints. Well, the the internet also and the general public did not like the Fantastic Four movies, but no, I think okay. they're doing a reboot of those as well, right? Yes, they are. With a, a black human torch? Yep. But then, so is the Invisible Girl black too? No, no. So it's if you can't get if you can't get beyond gamma rays giving them powers, I think you're <laughs> you're if, if if you can get beyond that, but you can't get get behind a, a brother and sister being different races then you're there's no hope for you okay yeah i i just think uh i don't know what the problem was with the first two fantastic four movies because i didn't see them i might have seen like a bit of one on cable or something um but it seems like there would be a lot of cgi you'd have to use in the fantastic four stories maybe that was a problem i don't know did you see them yeah they were they weren't great they weren't, but they weren't. I don't think they're as as terrible as people make them out to be. I think they're good kids movies, good kids action movies. Uh, Michael Chiklis plays the thing, right? And this is Michael Chiklis, not the Shield version of Michael Chiklis. It's very it's the much the Mish version of Michael Chiklis. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> and Chris Evans, funnily, or yeah, he plays Human Torch, and he also plays uh, Captain Captain America. America. Oh yeah, I didn't, I did not know that. And then Jessica Alba, obviously horribly miscast as i don't even know who reed richards was oh it's kind of kind of a soap opera actor i don't know what he's been in but i think i wouldn't be surprised if he's been in a lot of soap operas yeah his name is ion grufold are you i owen grufold <laughs> i don't know how to say it. it's welsh oh maybe i'm wrong he was in black hawk down well and titanic there you go soap opera uh, so you're right. Yeah. So, so the 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 Fantastic Four um, was never one of my favorite comics, and uh, John Byrne is that his name? Mm-hmm. Took it over uh, in the '80s after he left the X-Men, uh, writing and drawing. And from all accounts, that guy's the hugest douche in comics. Yeah, and he's not that talented either. Not as talented as he was when he worked with Claremont on X-Men. Yeah, I thought he was a, actually a really good. Uh, uh, artist, I thought he was a good comic book artist. His style was unique, and and uh, I liked what he brought to it as far as art. But I, I don't think, um, I don't think he had. It's another like Stan Lee ego thing, I think, where he thought he could do it all. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't think he was the writer he thought he was. Like when he had Chris Claremont helping him out, uh, or he was helping out Chris Claremont. Really, let's be real, with uh, with plot lines and stuff. Yeah, that's that's a lot different than trying to go at your on your own mm-hmm. um, and the fact that he's a dick doesn't help anything because I've, no. I've heard that i don't remember anything specific but just kind of like at, at the conventions and stuff he's not nice to other people and he, he takes umbrage very quickly but maybe he's a nice guy i just don't know it yeah from well from everything i've read he is not but uh but anyway um well do you know who's have they cast a new fantastic four movie yeah i, was just I guess they say, have but they have a black human torch Kate Mara, I think she's from... Oh, Mara? Mara from... Um, Mira? Well, yeah, I know who she is, yeah. Uh, what's the House of Cards? She yeah, plays yeah. Invisible Woman. 
I don't know who the guy. I see his name. His name is Miles Teller, but I don't know him from anything. He's playing Fantastic, uh, Mr. Fantastic, and uh, Johnny Storm is played by Michael B. Jordan. Not Donald Glover. No, oh. sorry. He's waiting for a chance to play Spider-Man again. Yeah, that was a weird. That was a very weird. Uh, inter- I guess it's not weird that there are racists all over the internet uh, at this point, but it, I, I found it weird. And here's something I didn't know, and this has to be not true, but I don't know. It seems it says it here on the internet. But playing the thing is the kid who played Billy Elliot. Oh no shit! Yeah. So it's gonna be like uh, a singing and dancing thing in this. I think movie? so, and I, from what from what I understand about how uh, time works, Billy Elliot, he's still a little kid because when I watch that movie, he's a little kid. Yeah, I know. I think that I think that is true. Um, Once you're filmed as your age, you're stuck there for the rest of your life, and that's what happened to Mickey Rooney. Yeah, it it totally is, and that's why uh, it's weird to watch Veep and see my girl on there, like this little kid working in the vice president's office. It's cute. It's like it's like that uh, movie with Scott Bayo and Jodie Foster. Foxes, Taxi Driver. Oh, right. The uh, so yeah, I don't know. I know the. The one playing uh, the Invisible Girl, then. That's the only one I... Oh, well, well, I know the Billy Elliot kid, too. I think you know Michael B. Jordan. I might. Yeah, I don't recognize the name. I think he was on The Wire. Uh, oh, oh yeah. No, shit. I do know who he is. Yes. Oh, good. I'm glad he's getting work. I'm always glad when somebody from The Wire gets work. And he, he had a... I think he was on Parenthood for a while, too. He played Wallace, I think, in in The Wire. If it's the one I'm thinking of, um, either that or he, or he was Michael, but either oh, way. Oh, it was in Fruitvale Station. Fruitvale Station, I, yeah. So it was Wallace, yeah. I haven't seen that. I saw it. It's all right. It's not. Uh, it's all right. I guess it's worth watching. Um, and I say that as an Oaklander. He was good in it, though. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else about this story you can think of? Nah. Fuck it this was... little piece of pork rind. It's it's uh it's fun. It's just fun to see where the characters come from. But overall, yeah. the storyline gets kind of dumb. I I agree. I mean, no disrespect intended towards Stan Lee because he created this entire awesome universe, and without him, it doesn't exist. But yeah, a lot of the dialogue sucks, and the sexism is kind of stupid. Yeah, but and then the kind I, of Deus Ex Machina storyline wrap yeah, up is yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's this device, and that's it. Now we can go on to Johnny Storm going to college. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's how it ends. Johnny Storm goes to college, the Human Torch. Uh, and he, he meets someone at, at school that's apparently an Indian. Right. And Native American. There's the end. I'm the character, yeah. So, very yeah, very weird that they ended it that way. Um, but I, I like the art. You talked about it. You can tell it's Jack Kirby. I I don't mind that. I like I like his art. No, he's a... Obviously, he's he's one of the pioneers, and uh, yeah, he also yeah. has a very distinctive look. It's just uh, after a while, I had a friend whose uh, whose dad gave me like a whole shitload of comics from the '60s, um, mostly Marvel stuff uh, that he had had because he knew I liked comics, and uh, and he was like, "Here, you want this? I have no use for it." Um, <laughs> what an idiot! He gave oh, me like he was, ten thousand dollars. Oh, he did. It, he was like a, a huge uh, alcoholic dude oh. who was just uh, dumb. So he gave, I was like, great, yes, I'll take him. Um, but, you know, after seeing so much Jack Kirby on everything, um, right. and, and at that time, uh, which was the, had to be the late 70s, early 80s, um, there was so much more going on, on in comic books at that po- point. Um, 
I was like, oh, I, I like the, I like the variation in comic books nowadays more than I like just seeing Jack Kirby everything. Everywhere, you know? yeah. Or Steve Ditko, which was very similar. What what became of those books? Uh, my dad threw them away. By oh, accident. Yeah. What a terrible end. Yep. I I think I would have enjoyed the story better if it was like you you liked some of the drawings so you cut them out and put them on, on your your books for school, but just getting them thrown out. Oh, that's sad. Nope, thrown out. I probably could have bought a house with those comic books. Was uh, he just he didn't know it was in the box and he threw it out? I think so. I don't oh, know. that sucks. Um. Anyway, that's uh that's kind of the story of my life. Uh, you want to take a break and we'll come back to the private eye. Mercy. I keep telling you I don't speak German, but I'll take that as a yes. Uh, we'll be right back. We had a comrade, a brave comrade. He could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero. Tried talking about Shamiro to computers wearing earphones. Oh. He almost died for conversation, hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's great racing, steeplechasing, the Reformation. Transubstantiation, Brian Stoker's creation, the land of the Thracians. And right back to the start, it's gonna take some time and patience. All right, Private Eye issue four. We've already so we've already talked about this three times on the on the podcast. Yep. But this is our this is our uh, standard modern comic that we're using. Um, again, if you haven't heard about it before, we like it because he's doing the Radiohead model of uh, it's all online and it's uh, pay what you feel like paying for it. Yeah, and if Brian K. Vaughan or, or Marcus. Marcos Martin, or I don't know what the other guy's name is, but anyway, if any of those guys are listening, which is pretty likely, and they noticed that from my IP address, I bought issue three and then took issue four for free, please, I already bought issue three, so I was just, I made a mistake by clicking on three, so please don't, don't, don't frown on me. Oh no, I do, I do the same thing. I, I buy them and then, uh, but then I like read them all like in a row and then i go back and rebuy or rebuy them for zero dollars uh just to reread them for this show but. yeah i mean they they encourage that in their faq it's just that i bought issue three today accidentally and i was like oh wait i clicked the wrong one i need issue four so i went back and just downloaded issue four for free yeah, yeah so you paid, paid anyway three. yeah i just want them to know in case they're listening which and they you know and they assuredly are and they're almost certainly watching their the the sales figures so closely that they're tracking it to IP address so they know who's paying and who's not. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure they're seeing a huge spike in their sales figures uh, after each episode of this podcast. Oh, that's, if, if that's not true, I, I'll eat a hat made of uh, Cadbury eggs. Well, you are Cadbury egg deficient. Um, yeah, so this issue, uh, you want to get people up to speed on what the private eye is, Pat? I know we always... We've done it before, but you know it's it's good to. Yeah, it's. Uh, do you have a, a a summation in mind that'll work? No, I didn't. That's why I was asking you to do it. But I mean, I can I can try if you want. Yeah, you try. Uh, so it's it's in the future, um, but not not necessarily a dystopian future, which I kind of like. Like they're 
there are elements that are fucked up, but it's not like a, a total post-apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah, the, the terrible thing, there's something terrible happened in the past, but it didn't make the, the world a terrible place to live in. It just made it so people's secrets got out and they became a very paranoid private society. Right. Everybody's internet uh, secrets got got leaked somehow we do, it's it was they called it the flood um that's what they refer to it as in the comic book uh and and we don't really necessarily know how that happened like some kind of thing it all got released to the cloud or something so that you could you could find out everybody's you know search histories and whatever uh private emails um so it changed the, the yeah the way people do things and they the very private they dress up as characters um Kind of for fun and also kind of for privacy. Right. They dress yeah. and, up as but, animals a lot. And you're not allowed to do that until you're a certain age. Right, And this, yeah. that, that one thing you mentioned touches on an interesting thing they brought up in this issue. That One of the things that happened was all their information got put out. And they're in this issue, they're, they're breaking uh, the, the victim's privacy to see what her search engine had. And the librarian who's in charge of this and protecting this says... Yeah, this search search history is much more important than other things because when people have chats with each other or send emails, they'll they'll still lie, but nobody lies to themselves. So we can really see a real person by their search history. Right, right. So yeah, so it's the story of uh, this this private eye um, who is investigating a murder uh, of of a young college student and uh, her sister, the the victim's sister, um, is is going along with him on this on this investigation and then there's um also nefarious uh <coughs> excuse me corporate types and and uh evil businessmen that are up to something but we're not quite sure what yet right yeah uh and that's the thing and it's set in los angeles for the most part um and and is very fun a very yeah that's what i was going to say a very fun vision of the future to go along with what you were saying before yeah, I I definitely like that there. I mean, it's not it's not so far removed from how we're living now that that it goes off the rails into into speculative sci-fi so much, you know. Right, but they have neat stuff like like the cars that are uh, hoverboard. That hover, yeah. Hover, and they have a, a monorail throughout the city, and uh, restaurants that sell hamburgers and French fries to you. Yeah, no, so so some crazy shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, with with the hamburgers and whatnot, but but overall, um, a vision of the future that you can believe in uh, more so than something like Blade Runner or whatever. But also, a vision of the future can only be portrayed well in a comic book. Because if you try to do this in live action, it would look stupid because the costumes are are outrageous. They're ridiculous, yeah. Ridiculous, and in the comic book, they look fun. But on on the movie, they would just look. In most scenes, they would look cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and no, I do, I do like that. Uh, it's it's more realistic than a lot of the sci-fi I'm used to seeing, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are advances and changes, obviously, but it's not like everything hasn't completely gone to shit, and the U.S. is has not turned into a huge totalitarian yeah. 1984 state. I I I'm not real sure why that that idea is so popular. Why do people like reading that so much? I mean, I, I, I admit that I've liked reading like that story a few times, but I don't know why it's such a popular story to, to write. 
Yeah, and well, I think it appeals to both conservatives and liberals. Like, liberals are are uh, scared that you know that's what if we keep trending conservative uh, or give right. into the conservative, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a totalitarian state, and then the uh, the hardcore conservatives are like, well, it's already a totalitarian state. You know, we don't have enough freedoms. Uh, the government is too big, and they're impinging on our rights. Uh, so I think I think it just appeals to a broad spectrum that idea of of a totalitarian government in the future um, and, and you know, the American written, spirit. We got to keep fighting for our freedoms and whatever. So. When it's written well with interesting quirks, it, it is fun to read. But I just no, it's not. It's not fine. Sure. It's a valid. It's a valid uh, storyline, but it's overused. I think. Yeah, that's that's. I just don't get why it's. Yeah. I mean, like zombies are overused. Yeah, and and used poorly, I think, for the most part, um, because I think there's a lot of social commentary you can make with zombies uh, that nobody's really doing. Like uh, our idea for a sitcom, President Zombie. President Zombie, yeah. President Ozomba. I don't know what... You conservatives. This book has humor, too. I'm very liberal. (laughs) This book has humor, too, the... The, the the scene where the there's a teenage girl that he he contracts to be his driver and when she shows up wearing a, a McDonald's type bag McDonald's on her head bag as her mask eyes it's cut out so yeah. stupid and funny it's a great sight gag right well because she's not old enough yet to wear costumes legally um, so yeah that's that's her her childish costume is a McDonald's bag yeah no there is humor and and um, just a I love the world that that they've created for this, and I love private eye stories. Um, oh and, yeah, yeah. And especially uh, mixed with you know kind of I don't know soft sci-fi mm-hmm. is really cool. Like uh, I think we've talked about before on this uh, gun with occasional music, the Jonathan Lethem book, um, which is excellent. Yeah, and similar because it's about a private eye in a in a near future world. Um, but I would I mean. I know you, you. We were saying it would look cheesy, but uh, it would make a good movie too. Yeah, it would. It's just I don't know how. It, if they could do the CGI, but because it, it's it's fluid, there's lots of action going on all the time, and it would be it would film really well. But it's also there's these intricate twists and turns that would make a very entertaining movie. I maybe you know uh, animated, like Miyazaki or somebody could do something with it. Although I I don't think he would. Yeah, that would be cool. But anyway, it's very cool as a comic, as it is. Uh, and and thinking of of we're talking about Fantastic Four and how sexist it was and really how white it is. I, I guess we've talked about this every time, but it, every time I read one of these, it's, it strikes me as fun how multicultural it is. Yeah, no, it's 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 great. It's very modern. Um, uh, and and yeah, none of that none of that baggage that you get from the '60s Stan Lee stuff. No, the, the the women are are characters. Are real not, people, yeah. Yeah, they're not just annoying their men. <laughs> um, so it's not as realistic, is what you're saying. The uh, it's it's kind of hard to talk about the private eye anymore because we've yeah I know I three maybe... episodes on it previously. <laughs> yeah. but I'm so, just I mean each story has little bits in it that are new, but and we talked about them, but it's it's not much more to talk about when we talked about everything else already. Yeah. It's awesome, though, so I like bringing it up so more people get exposed to it. Yeah. And I, this cliffhanger on this one, I haven't read the next issue, and I know you have. It, it It's stark. The end of the, this issue, it looks like people are dead. It's crazy. Right. Well, and that was the same. 
with the uh, the end of the last issue as well. I don't know. Was it last remember. issue with the guns? Yeah. No, that was that no, was, that was two issue two. Yeah, you're yeah. right. But even that one, they were just like, "What's going to happen?" This one, something bad happened. We just don't know how they can recover from it. So right, it's... right. Yeah, no, it's it's really uh, it's really super fun and and like you said, it's funny but also dark. Like um, there's a, a character that the main character actually, as a result of that gunfight in issue two, uh, awesome. has not come out of it unscathed. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we shouldn't give too much away. No, I was yeah. almost gonna, I was almost gonna say who the, the bad guy is, what his job is, because that was kind of a, that's gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see where that goes. Yes, I agree. Yeah, no, I don't think we should give it away because no, you're right. People can get it for a buck. I mean, they can get it for free if they want. So yeah, why not? Should. Just go go check it out. Um, yeah. So I like that their future includes uh, the mail service still exists. The oh yeah yeah well you know. Those government jobs, you know, they got they got job security. Wah wah. The I'm very liberal. The uh, yeah, overall, I it's as far because it's not. I don't think it's it's not like a you know Daniel Klaus or a black hole graphic novel. It's a definitely in the vein of like superhero comic books kind yeah. of. Yeah. Um, but really super well done for that. Very very approachable for anyone. Any, I think any, most people would enjoy this. If you, if you like the, uh, this uh, mystery stories, you'll like this. If you like sci-fi stories, you'll like this. It's yeah, it's a, very approachable. Yeah. It's not, it's not the, uh, the dumb comics you grew up reading. Right. And, but it's also not the, 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 the you kind of have to be, have more of an independent spirit to read Daniel Claus to really get into it. You have to, to tell yourself what you're reading is going to be different. This is not like that. No, no. Yeah. It's not, uh, I mean, yeah, like you're, I guess what you're saying is it's, it's accessible to like middle America, whatever you, you know. Yeah. It's very, uh, and, and also to, to people who enjoy Daniel Klaus and stuff. Like I still think would like it. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, just, just one of my favorite things that I've been exposed to recently. Um, so check it out. Brian K. Vaughn's awesome. Send us some shirts. Yeah, that'd the, be great. It would. Um, a shirt with the private eye on it. I all right. So I have a another correction to make from a previous episode. So I don't remember when it was. Probably probably a couple months ago. I recommended uh, Revenge again. I think it's gone back downhill to shit. Oh, I have not seen it for two weeks, so I don't know. Uh, but I I, I, I I assume I still like it. Yeah, I don't know. I think this season started good. Uh, you know, there was a, a shooting and all that, and then it's just gotten bogged down in more soap opera bullshit and introducing more unnecessary new characters. And... Yeah, I have. It has gotten pretty heavy. The 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 publisher and the publisher's father, and yeah, it has gotten very heavy. Jack's mother. Yes, and she's just kind of the way they got rid of her was so stupid. I, I yeah I'm not it's it's so up and down this show I thought the first season was great the second season was horrible this season has started good and then it, it's gone down so maybe it'll pick up but like I'm not even caught up now like I I think I'm with you I have two episodes I haven't watched so. is this the third season yeah it'd be nice if they have an endpoint they've got they can't go more than four seasons I, I don't even see how it's possible they're already I, they, stretching you know, they it. could they could go more than four seasons if they just had her revenge done and just have someone else's revenge pick up. They, which would be good. Like if they made it kind of like an anthology ish show, yeah. they could still be tied to each other, 
Some vaguely, yeah. Right. Right. But no, yeah, that that's the problem with that. They're just dragging shit out that I don't care about. Like, I'm down with the revenge storyline with her revenge storyline. Uh, all these other characters, dalliances and stuff, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. And and that's what they've been focused on. So I take back my recommendation of revenge, pending the end of this season. We'll see if it picks back up. Another episode we have to go and delete. Yeah. Yeah. I still every everything I've recommended. I think people should participate in. I I will stand by Revenge season one for sure. Um, and oh, I wanted to ask you. First, I'll say, uh, you don't you have you seen any iPhone ads lately? I have not, to my knowledge. And oh wait, I think they've got one where they play the Pixies Gigantic. Is that's that for the one iPhone? I wanted to talk about? Okay. <laughs> what I'd an odd seen choice of songs. Yeah, I saw that commercial probably twelve times before I even figured out what it was for, and that was only because when it came on the last time, I was like, "All right, I'm going to focus and pay attention on what they're advertising here." Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not bothered by that. I don't care what what it's for. I've, I don't know if I knew. I just kept noticing they're singing that song. I was like, "Is this for a band?" Yeah, I guess I feel the same way. I never knew what it was for, but I don't know why they picked that song. Nope, as we said on our Pixies episode, uh, a song about a white woman's fascination with the black man's sexuality, basically. Um, but they picked it because the generation that grew up listening to the Pixies are big consumers now. I guess. You know, the the kids who were punks and alternative are now working for advertising agencies or their CEOs or whatever. Yeah, but so. that's true. But the Pixies audience wasn't big enough to... to... Yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. So the Pixies audience wasn't big enough, so that means even if there's a, not, not enough people know the origins of the song, so it really doesn't matter. But it's right. just a very funny choice. Yeah, no, that was weird. Um, but that I don't know. I saw a Gang of Four song advertising Xbox a few years back, so I don't, <laughs> fuck, I don't know. I'm over, I'm over it. Um, that's a problem with the people our age working for advertising agencies. They're They're ruining our memories of... I, mean, <laughs> See, I don't i don't care i it doesn't bother me at all I, this one is is not as is not as nice i like when i actually like it when it's a band i like that's not huge and they get a song on an ad because it's like they're set for life now they made a lot of money off of it the pixies didn't really need to do this they didn't uh i i know i felt that way i remember they used uh the feelies song for a car ad and i was like all right i'm all right with that because they never made a lot of money um and this will this will give them some financial security. I mean, not, not that I think they were like starving to death or anything. Right. But, you know. Right. I mean, they, they used an of Montreal song for something a few years ago and their songs are very catchy. So it was a perfect choice. And I was just like, well, that's cool. Yeah. They use a Pogue song for a car ad. I remember um, if I should fall from grace with God, I think um, I was like, ah, that's, I'm fine with that. He gets his t- teeth fixed. We're all good. Yep. We were, we're all better for that. <laughs> um, well, another, uh, another update. So, I think we talked about it off air, but you've you've watched more Orphan Black, so you agree with me. Tatiana Maslany uh, should have won the Emmy because I don't I don't know what I don't even remember. She who basically won. should win six or seven Emmys. Yeah, I don't remember who won the Emmy, but it they weren't matter. as good she as her. Won. Yeah. I'm not caught up, so I don't know what she's like this season. But the, the episodes I've seen the first season, yeah, she should have won the Emmy. Yeah, she's just as good this season. She's just awesome. And it's great. Um, I was reading an article about it actually, about how um, it kind of flips. It kind of flips the script on 
on traditional Hollywood and, and TV shows where uh, the male characters are uninteresting. They're just yeah. not really, you know, they're background. And, and <laughs> they're she, less than background. They I mean, really are. The acting and the, the writing are both bad. So For them, yeah. For yeah. them, yeah. No, for her character is written well and acted perfectly. Yes. Uh, the scenes I've seen, the only non, like the brother's okay. He's just kind of there. Right. The two boyfriends, both are not very good, but the, the cop is okay. Yeah, yeah. But but I think the, the point was that like the boyfriends and stuff, they're traditional like girlfriend material in, yeah. in shows uh, based around males, which is kind of cool. Right. Um, which right. I hadn't really thought about, but, but thinking about it, it's true. But she's just so fucking good on it that uh, that's all you're going to focus on anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh that that's good. Uh do you want to do recommendations? You go first cuz I don't have one on mine. I know. I'm I'm well we in all uh transparency we just recorded an episode yesterday so uh we had to come up with recommendations for that. You know, I'll recommend I literally just started it, but uh I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to enjoy it. Um a book called A Man Called Destruction uh about the life of Alex Chilton of big star oh that's neat biography of him and it so far it seems to be uh well researched she goes back through his history from like the 1600s of his family and stuff so it's <laughs> not necessarily the typical starting point for a rock biography but uh but he's somebody i'm very interested in and by all accounts most people don't know much about what makes him tick so uh i'm interested to read it i'm going to recommend something just because it's sitting right in front of me uh parker Your ringing phone well i i know the the sound of that makes everyone feel so good and i apologize for that but it'll end soon but i'm going to recommend a graphic novel uh, by darwin cook which is an adaptation of richard stark's parker novel the hunter it's a whole series but i'm just going to recommend the first one uh, i haven't i haven't read it yet but the art is awesome i already know the story so i know the story is fun well, as fun as a violent book can be, but the art is really, it's a retro 60s style to it, so it fits in with the, the timing of the Time story. Period, yeah. Yeah, and it's really well done. And I got the hardback version, and I think there's also a soft cover, but it's 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 not black and white, but it's not colored either. It's kind of this, not sepia, but just really interesting color to it, but it's it's, it's not colorful. But anyway, it's very cool looking, and I, th- I think even if you don't have never read the story, this is an interesting way to get the story. Yeah. So. Oh, that is cool. Um, I think I've seen that that existed, um, and and I was wondering about it. So, excuse me, you'll have to let me know how it how it is, how they yeah yeah I, what I, job they do with it. It's like I can't imagine they the, the art is so good and the story I already like. I can't imagine they do a bad job. So yes. Yeah. So wait, explain. All right, I had a. Uh, I had a, a friend read something that I wrote recently, a, a story, and uh, he said it reminded him of Donald Westlake. Now, is Donald Westlake the Parker dude under a different name? Do you know? Uh, I um, yes, not the Parker. Parker's the character's name. Right, right. Richard Stark Richard is Stark. the author, and Donald Westlake is. Richard oh, that's a great Stark. compliment. But yeah, yeah. well, he said that. that, and I was like, oh, I've never read uh, Donald Westlake, so I'll have to check him out. But then I have read uh, Hunter novel, so I have read Donald Westlake. So that is a compliment. That's nice. Oh, you read you read the first, you read the Hunter? I read the first one, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, it's a whole series. I don't know how many there are. I've read the first two, I think. The yeah. second one is 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 a is a kind of weak, and I I think it's admitted by even by him. They the when they're doing these graphic novels, the second one is just they didn't do it. They just basically put at the beginning of the second graphic novel for this this series for the Parker series. They uh, just have like five pages that this that sum up the second novel. He goes in and gets his gets his face redone by a plastic surgeon so he can't be caught by the syndicate which is the syndicate's a big part of the hunter that's who who rips him off i think it's called the syndicate i think i have that right but it's a chicago mob family whatever so he gets his face redone and then he gets together a gang to, to rob a bank and in the process he gets he gets seen by the his face gets seen so he's basically in the same position he was at the start of the novel so it's just treading water got it got it well uh, is that it? I'm good. All right. Well, we're, yeah, we're going to be on vacation. Uh, we will be starting our REM series soon. Uh, well, probably the next, the next episode or the next, uh, we might do it, uh, twice a week and, and do a regular episode and then an REM episode. So we're going to talk about every single REM album, uh, old versus new. And, uh, we're going to. So we'll do two albums per episode, and we're going to have a guest for each one. So that should be fun. Yes. And then I think our next our next actual episode we talked about is going to be David Bowie versus Lady Gaga. Possibly. Most possibly. Almost assuredly, because we're going to be on vacation, and we're not going to be watching a lot of movies and TV. So uh, that sounds like a good idea. But uh, you want to give the spiel? Write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com. Rate us highly on Facebook. Rate us highly on iTunes as well when you like us on Facebook. And just tell your friends about us and listen. And, and uh, if you have any ideas of shows we should do, bits we should do, times you'd like to guest, please write us. Yes, and uh, try not to eat at McDonald's. I ate there the other day and it was. It, I just realized I can't do it anymore. Uh, that's just my. That's just good advice for everybody. I mean, I don't think it matters who you are. Uh, try not to. Wendy's has Frosties, so there you go. Uh, until next time, then goodbye. I've been in this town so long and back in the city. I've been taken for a lost to come and I've known for a long, long time. Fell in love years ago with an innocent girl from the Spanish and
remainder of my life would make me Roseanne Diller. Thank you. 